Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Well, praise the Lord. You may be seated if you can. Amen. I'm so honored to be here today. I feel like I am the express train. Well, actually the local, but the express is about to run through. Bishop Nelson is the express, so let me hurry up and get out the way so the express can run through. Amen? Uh, to your very fine pastor, I told him that uh, he had a little soul in him when he was playing that guitar. <laughs> Uh, that brother been on the low end for a little while, I can tell. <laughs> what a man of God. Give your pastor a hand, amen. I, I, um, I don't want to disappoint anybody. You can see how articulate uh, Glenn is and how erudite and scholarly he is. He represents the steak and potatoes of ministry. And I am honored in Bishop Nelson, his articulation is flawless. And so I'm sandwiching between those two learned men. And while they represent steak and potatoes, I represent fatback greens and cornbread. So I, I hope that's okay. I'm just a regular brother from the south side of Chicago, amen? But I do have word from the Lord. I want you to turn in your Bible to two, two places. One in the Old Testament, the other in the New Testament. First scripture is in the book of Luke, chapter 19. And it was amazing, you know, we don't sit around over a bowl of grits and talk about what we're going to minister on, but it was just amazing how Glenn kind of set the table for what I believe the Lord wanted me to share this morning, and even last night, so I was concerned that I wanted to really flow together with what the Holy Spirit was saying, so I'm going to open up in a word of prayer. Did I tell you the second scripture? I said Luke 19, didn't I? And I want uh, First Chronicles chapter 12. I just want to take one passage of scripture out of 1 Chronicles 12. I don't have time to do an exegetical study of that whole chapter, so please forgive me. Amen. But let's pray together. How about that? Father in heaven, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus with thanksgiving in our hearts. We thank you, Heavenly Father, because you have called us to be a part of a very unique family. A, a, a group of people that are going to be in the earth realm for only a select period of time and that you have chosen us before the foundation of the world and we are so honored by that and father our desire is to fulfill the purpose of God in the time that you have allotted us so we thank you for your word that we esteem more than our necessary food as Job said because man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of your mouth so we pray that you would feed us today, Father, by the Spirit of God, 
We pray that the greater one that you sent to unveil the word of God to our hearts and our minds, that he would rise big within your spirit and that you would, Heavenly Father, anoint these lips of clay and that you would think through my mind and give me utterance so as I open my mouth to speak that he would do the teaching. And I thank you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be leashed upon your people, not only in this audience, but those that would listen live and even to the recording, that the same illumination would be brought into their hearts and lives, and that your people would be infused with the heart of God and not the mind of a man. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for the grace of God that will enable us to be doers of your word and not hearers only, because doers of the word are winners in life. We thank you and we declare thus and so. And we also thank you for the matchless name of Jesus and our legal right to use that name. And you use it against the enemy right now. And we declare that he will not circumvent the flow of your anointing, but that your will will be accomplished in this place today in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. amen. Now, I'm from the south side, so y'all are supposed to participate. Amen? amen. So if I say, say amen, what you going to say? Oh, that's kind of weak. Let me try it one more time. Say man. That's good. Now, if I'm preaching real good, you got to say say on, pastor, else I'm not going to keep preaching. If you want me to keep going, you got to say say on, pastor. All right. <laughs> Let's look at Luke chapter 19. I forgot my water. Please forgive me. Thank you. Look at the servant, the apostle, bringing the man a drink of water. Receive a prophet's reward. <laughs> Thank you, brother. All right. Luke 19. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even to the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. First Chronicles chapter 12, <coughs> excuse me, verse 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. I want to talk to you very briefly from the subject, the call of the hour. The call of the hour. Now, before I share with you what I really believe what God is calling his people, as Glenn was saying, as far as alignment, as far as what's necessary for us to fulfill our call in these last days, what he's calling us to, but also how to prepare for that, I want to deal with the time. 
because the Bible said that the sons of Issachar understood the times and that helped them to be able to prepare properly. Amen? If you understand the time, you'll know what you're supposed to do. But if you don't, if you sleep or if you miss the time, you won't be prepared. And there are two levels of preparation that we have to have. There's natural preparation and there's spiritual preparation. Now, when I talk about the time or the, or the hour that we're living in, I'm not speaking about calendar time or the time of day. I'm talking about a time frame for which God has established to accomplish his purposes in the earth. Now, in our foundational scripture, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, the Bible says that Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem, and, and as he looks over it, he's going into Jerusalem. At, you know, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem begins to weep. And what brought him such grief was because he had prophetic insight into knowing their future. And their future was that it was going to experience devastation and destruction. And the thing that was so difficult for him to conceptualize was it didn't have to happen that way. Because he said, if you only knew the things that belong to your peace, my God, you, you, you had this and you missed it. And he said, the reason that you missed it is that you missed your time of visitation. Now that word time in the Greek is the word kairos. Now there's another word mentioned time that's translated time, and that's the word chronos. And that just represents a space of time, whether long or short, and we get our word chronological from it. But this kairos is different. Kairos represents a opportune time. It represents a period of time where a window of opportunity appears, and when it happens, you have to act with preparation. You have to be prepared so that you can attack it with great preparation and force so that you can bear the maximum fruitfulness. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? It's a window of opportunity. I liked a, a movie one time, and, and one of the lines in the movie was that, 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 that favor, uh, 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 opportunity favors the prepared. Now, so, so with this thing about, uh, 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 it's, a, it's a period of time, an opportune time, or a determined period of time. Paul talks about it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those that are of the household of faith. Now, here's the key that I want you to see. Can I give you seven statements about this time? Huh? What y'all supposed to say? Say on, Pastor. All right, I'm going to give you seven. Write these down because... I'm trying to pour a quart in the pint now, so I'm not trying to speed through, but I'm trying to get out the way because the express is coming. This is so important. Listen to me, and then I'm going to get to, uh, I'm going to tell you what time we're in, and then I'm going to tell you what the call of the hour is so that we can meet the challenge of the time. Is that all right? Y'all think I can do that in 15 minutes? Y'all pray for me. <laughs> 
Okay, first thing. <clears throat> I want to tell you how God accomplishes his purposes in the earth. First of all, God decides his purpose and then he determines a time or a season to accomplish that purpose. Do you all understand that? In other words, when God looks out and makes a situational analysis and decides that he wants to move or establish his purpose in the earth, not only does he establish the purpose that he wants to accomplish, but he also establishes the season that he's going to accomplish it in. Oh, pay attention to me. Now watch this, number two. Once God has done that, then God chooses a vessel through whom he will accomplish his purpose. Oh, come on now. Somebody ought to say, pray the Lord. Let me ask you something. How many know that you need the Lord? Huh? Can you say, somebody say, Pastor, I need the Lord. Did y'all see how the fervency that you said that? Now I want you all to say this. Say, the Lord needs me. See, y'all didn't say it with that same strength, did you? Let me tell you something. You need the Lord, and the Lord needs you. The only difference is, is that you need the Lord, and the Lord needs you, but he's not limited to you. See, that's the difference. Have you ever noticed that if a pitcher is throwing a no-hitter, somewhere along the seventh inning, they'll have somebody warming up in the bullpen? You ever notice that? Now, the man's throwing a no-hitter, but the coach or the manager knows that if he mess up, I can send the person in and, and, and finish the game, right? And when Moses struck that rock, God said, warm up, Joshua. So God needs you, but he's not limited to you. We need him, and we are limited to him. Like the apostle said, where else can we go to have the words of eternal life? Okay, number three, real quickly. Watch this now. Once he chooses his vessel... Then he equips the vessel with the ability to accomplish his purpose. Oh, you preaching, Pastor. Now, I'm going to say something that ain't real religious, but stay in there with me, okay? Number four. The ability that he equips the vessel with is his grace. Okay? Now, some people think that grace is favor. But favor is how you receive grace. But that is not what grace is. Grace is the omnipotent operational power of the Holy Ghost given to us at our point of weakness that will enable us to do what we're supposed to do and be what we're supposed to be. 
See, I love it when Paul was talking to God in the 12th chapter of the book of 2 Corinthians. When, I mean, uh, and he said that for this thing, this messenger of Satan, I besought the Lord three times that he might remove it. And every time the Lord said what? My grace is what? Sufficient. Because my power is perfected in weakness. Oh, glory to God. That word power there is the word dunamis, thenomis. That means the supernatural ability to accomplish anything necessary. And he called grace his power. And that's what he gives the vessel. Are you all hearing me? See, the Bible says, listen to me. If I had a, a, a regular uh, lavalier mic, I could do this better, but y'all bear with me. The Bible says that in 1 Peter, that there are manifold gifts. Did y'all remember that? That means that different types are different sizes. So on my right hand, I have manifold fingers, right? But the Bible also says that in the same book that we are stewards of the manifold grace of God, so if I put my hand, up, left hand, up to my right hand, it'll fit perfectly, wouldn't it? Because the Bible said grace is given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Whatever God calls you to do, he measures out the grace so that you can accomplish it. So you no longer have the I can't help it or so I can't do it. He has given you what you can do to accomplish whatever he calls you to do. So failure is a permitted response. Number six. Oh, 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 number five. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let me hurry up because I didn't even get to my main point. I should just leave this here, right, and not even finish this. Just go on. Number, number five. Listen to me. So important, the grace he provides is like manna and it will not carry over into the next season. <laughs> can, I, can I give you an example? Moses leads the children of Israel to the borders of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea. And they sent out spies to spy out the land. Ten bring back an evil report. Joshua and Caleb bring back a favorable report. It was just like God said, it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. They brought back grapes that were so big and plentiful that two people had to carry a branch of grapes on a stick. So it's exactly like God said, they just had giants in the land. And what the people decided, listen to me very carefully, they decided that they were going to side with the ten spies that said we can't do it because we're like grasshoppers in their eyesight. 
and they murmured that night and said, I wish to God we had died in Egypt. Oh, God has brought us out into this desert to die. Oh, and when they got up in the morning, God said, Moses, break up the camp. Are you all hearing me? The season to conquer the promised land had just passed. So the grace to conquer was no longer available. The season changed from conquer to die in the wilderness. And so they jumped up the next day and they said, okay, we decided that we're going to obey God. And Moses said, I wouldn't do that if I was you. They said, come on, Moses, go with us. Moses said, my name is Bennett. I ain't in it. You can do it. <laughs> You can do whatever you want to do. I ain't going. And the Bible said they got thoroughly and summarily smashed. Why? Because the grace to conquer was no longer available. Number six, you can miss your kairos season. That window of opportunity can close. And it doesn't mean that God's, and this is the last one, number seven, although you're, you may miss your season, God's purposes will not be frustrated. What God will do is he'll raise up somebody else and do what he called you to do. Amen. So we have to be understanding the time. Now, I don't have much time because I want to get into, in the last couple of minutes I have, to tell you what is the call. What do we have to do to make sure we don't miss our season and to feel, fulfill God's purpose in this Kairos moment? This is the Esther moment for the church. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. Now, the season that we're currently living in, I believe, is the time of the Gentiles. Now, notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, if only you would have known the things that belong unto your peace. But from this point forward, they have been hidden from your eyes. Are you all hearing me? And so what happened was, the Bible says, Paul picked it up in Romans chapter 11. He said, I would not have, in verse 25, he said, for I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that the mystery that we should, you should not be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So what happened was when they rejected Jesus, their Messiah, there was a veil that came over them. And the door of salvation was open to the Gentile nations. God's heart beats for the nation. That's what people don't understand. God called us to disciple nations, not just to evangelize individuals. We have been entrusted with the heritage of nations. And God's heart has always been like that. Let me tell you something real quick. I don't have time to go into it, but you check this out yourself, okay? All right. All right, all right, all right. I just want to make sure. 
always wondered why God told Abram to go to Canaan. You ever wondered that? I mean, he could have gone any place in the world. Why there? Huh? Can, can, can I show you real quickly and then wrap this up and get out of here? Okay, now watch this real quickly. I don't have time to really build it up. I'm just going to give you a scripture. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And let me give you the background. And now you can see how, how important the nations are to the Lord and what we have to do to be able to be ready to reach the nations. Now, God said, get out from your father. Abram was a moon worshiper. He was an idolater in the Ur of the Chaldeans. And he said, go to a land that I'll tell you. And he told him to go to Canaan. Now, the reason that he wanted him to go to Canaan was because in the ancient world, after the sons of Noah migrated, Yafet went to Europe, to the Caucasus Mountains, and that's where you get the Caucasians from. Shem went east to Mesopotamia, and that's where you get the Semitic tribes from. Ham went south to Africa, and that's where you get my cousins and Bishop's cousins from. From Africa. So there were three continents. But if somebody, are you all listening to me? If somebody was going to travel from one continent to another, they were going to have to travel through this land bridge of the three continents, and it was Canaan. Canaan was the connection of the three continents. Ezekiel called it the center of the nations. And God wanted some people there that had true knowledge of God so he could reach the rest of the nations. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Look at beginning at verse 6. Verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord your God commanded me, that you should do so in the land where you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear of these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so near unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget these things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thine eyes. Look at that, look at that. From thy heart all the days of thy life, and teach them to thy sons and daughters. So listen to me. They were to keep God's word, and the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of God, would be in their midst. And the other nations would see that. And they will be a light to the Gentiles. Are you all hearing me? That's what God called them to be. 
but they got corrupted by the other nations and God had to kick them out. God kicked out other nations before he gave it to Israel. He told Abram, I want to give you this land, but I can't give it to you now because the sins of the Amorites have not reached full measure. But when it reaches full measure, I'm going to kick them out and give this land to you. And now they're getting the land and do the same thing and even worse. You think God's going to give them a pass? So God kicked them out. And now the heritage of nations have shifted from Israel to the church of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said before he left, go into all the earth and make disciples of the nations. So, that's the time we're in. So, what is the call then to fulfill our, our, our calling or our purpose? The call of the hour is total and irrevocable surrender. Amen. Now, to surrender means to yield or to relinquish control or possession or power to another. It represents to yield or to cease in your resistance to demand or the directives of another. It means to voluntarily give up and submit to the appropriate authority. Oh. It means to give oneself to a decided course of action and as a result of some emotional or intellectual or physical influence. Now, let me tell you this, and I'm going to take my seat. Can I? I'm going to tell you the, the best way you can view this and why it's so important to what Glenn was talking about, about the church. Jesus' ministry was summed up by Matthew in two places, Matthew 4.23 and Matthew 9.35. He said Jesus taught in the synagogue. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, and he healed every manner of sickness and disease among the people. So there was information, proclamation, and demonstration. Amen? To have proclamation without demonstration means nothing. Jesus told his disciples, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Freely as you receive, freely give. Now, I, I, I'm going to take about five more minutes and then I'm done. Can I do that? I want to turn to two places and that's it, Glenn. I'm, I'm all right. All right, I'm good? Okay, well, six minutes. All right. <laughs> Matthew 16. <clears throat> Are y'all ready for me? Matthew 16. Now look at verse 24. Oh, come on. I see it. Y'all don't see it yet, but I see it. I'm ready to run around this podium. <clears throat> Then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and do what? Follow. Somebody say follow. follow. Somebody say follow. follow. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. 
and whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what is it a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, I submit to you that the word life in both times in verse 25 and the word soul both times in 26 are translated from the same Greek word. Okay? <clears throat> now, there are two primary words in the New Testament translated life. One is zoe. Zoe is the uncreated, unconquerable life of God that will extinguish darkness. It will melt cancer. It will rouse devils. The Bible says that death is even swallowed up of Zoe. And that's what Adam had at the beginning. And that's why he was able to fellowship with God because they both shared Zoe. Did you not know that Adam named all the animals? Do you know how many animals there are? But let me tell you how he was able to do it. God counts all the stars and he's given all the stars a name. Are you all hearing me? It's trillions of stars. What kind of mind is that? And through Zoe, Adam was able to tap into that wisdom and he was able to use that to name all the animals. But God said that the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Adam ate, but he lived 900 years after that day. What happened? Was God exaggerating? No. What happened was he lost Zoe. Now, the other word that he had that was listed here in Matthew 16 is the word suke. And that represents your soulish life, your natural life in this world. Everybody has suke. You understand? But only those that have Jesus have Zoe. Are, are you all understanding that? Let me, let me give you an example. The Bible said, as the father hath Zoe in himself, so has he given the son to have Zoe in himself. That he that hath the son hath Zoe. And he that hath not the son hath not Zoe. So a person that's not born again doesn't have Zoe. A person that's born again has Zoe. A person that's not born again has Suke, but they don't have Zoe. A person that's born again has Zoe and Suke. And Jesus is saying, if you are going to follow me and manifest what I manifested, then you're going to have to lay down your Suke so that your Zoe can be harnessed and released. Does that make sense to anybody but me? Huh? 
that's all Jesus did was minister Zoe. The Bible said that in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it. Not only could it not comprehend it, but it could not extinguish it. The Bible said God dwells in the light of immortality that no man can approach unto. That light, that vibrancy of life is what the power of God is all about. And it will absolutely obliterate darkness. And so that's all Jesus was releasing through his ministry was Zoe. Are you all hearing me? My last word and then I'm going to take my seat. John 10, 10. Y'all ain't ready for me. Y'all ain't ready for me. The Bible says, Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have Zoe, that you might have it to the full, till it overflows. That's why he came. That's why he came. And then verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But the word life there is the word suke. Jesus is saying, this life that I want to give to you, this eternal life, this zoe to the full till it overflows, the only way I can get it to you is that I got to lay down my suke. And if you're going to follow me, You're going to have to lay down your suitcase. So that means that my desires to control my life, whatever my agendas are, whatever my life is in this world, I have to confront the cross and surrender daily so that I can walk out with nothing but the joy of God to be unleashed in the lives of people. And you talking about demonstration. Amen. I want to pray for you real quick. But I want you to do something for me real quickly. I want you to just take hands with one other person. You and one other person. Amen. Amen. See, this brother don't have anybody. Somebody go here with this brother. One other person. Y'all got three now. Okay. Okay. I ain't going to say nothing about you being disobedient, but amen. I'm just <laughs> but I really want you all to pray for one another. That, that, that God would release his grace into our lives so that every day, that we would not only confront the cross, but we would be able to lay down our suke, our natural lives, whatever it is that, that keeps us from being totally surrendered. I, I, I don't have time to really develop it. I just pray that you will go deeper in this, but this is the key to it right now. So pray for one another. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you this morning. And we thank you that we have received the Son. You said that the Son has Zoe in himself. 
and he that has a son has joy. And we're convinced that that life that he has cannot be conquered, it cannot be extinguished, it will rouse demons, it will, it will melt cancer, it will heal the sick, it will even raise the dead. And it's in us, God, we have it. But there's a competing life, it's our suke. And Father, we don't need to hold on to it because my life couldn't save me. So I don't need to hold on to it, Father. Help us every day. To, as Paul says, I die daily so that the zoe of God can be made manifest in my mortal body. Teach us how to die daily, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying this show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast.